Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr. We have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Adam New Watterson. Adam lives at the bleeding edge of technology. For over 15 years, he's pioneered advancements in marketing automation, sales development, account-based marketing, and product-led growth. He's an expert having worked across e-commerce, marketing, advertising, and fashion technology companies to market in the enterprise. Adam rarely says no to a challenge and has and that spirit has led him to move into product marketing or product management last year. He stretched even further when a chance came up to lead engineering. He is now the head of product and interim CTO for sales and marketing solution, Stack Moxie, where he's leading or learning every day and has is having a great time. Adam, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Can I just say I love that intro and I would love to be on a couch with you hanging out. That sounds like an amazing time to me. <laughs> we will have to make that happen soon. Uh, soon again. Uh, as and say, yes. So if for those that are not familiar with Adam, Adam is one of my favorite people uh, and such a unique and positive spirit. So I am really excited to have you on the couch today and to talk about the conscious uncoupling for CMOs. Uh, but before we jump into that, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. So tell me, what industry buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? So my answer is actually uh, best practices, but somebody already said that like a week ago. So um, I'll just say on best practices, uh, if you only do what you have been taught, you'll only be as good as the person teaching you. Um, so uh, on, on the thing that uh, since somebody already said that, uh, I'll say let's banish any military or sports related terms uh, from, from our vocabulary. So let's get rid of all of the softening the beachheads, all of the air cover, all of the air balls, et cetera. And, and let's just talk about what, what things people are doing uh, in, instead of using metaphors. Uh, it's so funny, the air cover just came up in conversation the other day and it was like, are we attacking our prospects? Like, is that what we're exactly. trying to do here? Like, we're, we're not supposed to go to war with them. Uh, it's supposed to be more collaborative. So I, I am with you in that I do, uh, I am a fan of not using military references. I can say the sports references are going to be a stretch for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. We're all yeah. on our own journeys. <laughs> I'm a football fan, so I use a lot of a, 
a lot of, you know, American football analogies. And uh, so that one, I can try at least for this conversation to, to put all of my football references in the box uh, and we will banish all of those military and sports uh, references there. So now that we've gotten that off our chests, we know what we're not going to be talking about today. What brings you to Revenue Rehab? Sure. Uh, you and I were, were having an, uh, uh, an offhand conversation about consciously uncoupling from businesses and kind of knowing when is the right time to move on? What are the, um, what are the early indicators uh, of, uh, of this perhaps isn't the right opportunity for you? Uh, what do you need to do in order to have self-care and respect yourself? Uh, and then what is the right way to disentangle yourself from the si sticky situation? Yes. And although I didn't have your walk on music queued up, I can <laughs> give people, you know, some clear lyrics that speak to this where you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You got to, oh, geez, I'm messing up the lyrics. Yeah. You got to know, you know you when to walk away. You got to know when to run. <laughs> I practiced singing that song like five times this morning to make sure I didn't botch the lyrics. And here we are. Uh, but you know, it, it, me botching lyrics just speak to I who I am as a person. So no one who knows me will be surprised by that fact. Uh, so that's a good way to put it. Um, and I believe in setting intentions. It helps us focus. It gives us purpose. And it also lets our audience know what to expect. So what are your best hopes for the talk, for our talk today? Or what would you like to be different after this session? Yeah, I, I, I guess I would just say trust your gut, uh, know when to call it, um, and give yourself the grace that you need to, um, yeah, so, sometimes it feels like you're taking it on the chin when you accept that this isn't the right opportunity or chance for you. It feels like a personal, personal failure, but give yourself the grace to know when it's time to move on. Okay, so holistically, we are really talking to CMOs, head of marketing around transition in their roles and when they've kind of hit that place where it's no longer working for them. Um, and because I know that conscious uncoupling is not necessarily a term that is well known, um, giving a definition from, you know, really, I looked at InStyle magazine had an article, which is not the best reference, but wanted to find a really, really simple definition for this. And it says, helping people to put the pieces of their lives back together after feeling like a bomb went off. And this term is most often used for relationships, especially as it relates to divorce. Um, so help us. And, you know, it's great that we're pulling in real life therapy uh, terms into revenue rehab, but help us for those that are not clear on how this applies to your career, what does that conscious uncoupling mean? Who was who who the movie star who made this term famous? Do you, do you remember? Uh, was it Gwyneth Paltrow? It was Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. Yeah. So it was it was when when Gwyneth Paltrow uh, got a divorce, uh, rather than saying divorce, she said she was consciously uncoupling. And so there was just something there was just something amusing about about that idea for me that um, that that you can you can be intentional about um, about your removal from a situation in a way that uh, maximizes your impact for the company and doesn't burn bridges along the way. So 
Yeah. And that, you know, I think just as people um, and, you know, committed people, we generally get to the point in roles where we know it's not totally working for us anymore. But a lot of times people just want to stick it out, give it one more shot, wait until this. Um, and so they have this undying loyalty to just stay in a situation that they know is not good for them. And then I think you also have some people that have a fear of moving into the what's next. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, so so absolutely. I think there there is a fear-based uh, emotion that is the kind of primary driver of sticking around a place too long. Right. So, um, uh, you know, on the on the one hand, it is I'm just waiting for my next stock vesting cliff <laughs> or I need to make sure for my resume that I'm with this company for four years um, or I need to be able to prove this next milestone so that when I go from my next role uh, that I can be able to demonstrate X, Y or Z. And, and often <laughs> oftentimes um, marketers. You know, Brandy, marketing is kind of a it's it's an interesting function to be in these days because uh, it has created a slightly toxic environment for a lot of senior leaders uh, who who are leading teams. We've gotten so data driven in in marketing um, that sometimes people, especially CEOs, forget that there there is there is both art and science to to marketing, um, and there there are um, there are subjective and objective things that, that we each bring to the role, et cetera. And so a moral of the story is, uh, you know, people often get sort of like stuck in this kind of toxic place with, uh, either colleagues or the role or, or, um, or their teams, et cetera. Um, and what would be best for everybody involved is to have a new person come in and, uh, have you go to a different place. Yeah. And I think there's an emotional component there that I want to talk about because that recognition that it would be better for everyone for you to move on can sometimes feel like failure mm -hmm. um, in that, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. As opposed to I've just completed my assignment in this role. Um, how do you tackle that? Like, how do you avoid the the negative, you know, that negative talk track that can sometime go through our heads when it is time to move on. Cause I know that happens a lot in relationships and how, you know, people end up staying together way longer. You know, they're like, Oh, I knew 10 years ago we should have got divorced. It's like, well then how that next 10 years happen? And you know, there's always reasons, but I think the same is true in, you know, your career. It's like, you're, you're there and it's like, okay, I need to stick this out. Um, otherwise I failed or otherwise this, like, how do you combat that to go into something completely different? I mean, I guess my answer is like, it's natural um, and it's going to happen. So, so instead of maybe combating it, embrace it, recognize it, accept it and move on. Right. Uh, so, so I, I think that, I think that a lot of people internalize that failure as like, um, it's going to go on my permanent record from elementary school sort of thing. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and it's it's not it's not on your permanent record. There there there. Uh, I almost did a military term, <laughs> but there. <laughs> You know, um, but but sometimes your tour of duty has ended, and um, and it, it's time to to allow somebody else to to have the reins. Yeah, you know, and I think about uh, concepts that my great grandma used to always talk to me about, and she would always say that people come into your life for a reason, season, or a lifetime. Um, and I think that is also true about our career. Because there are some jobs that, you know, you have and it's for a reason. There's a skill you needed to learn or a person you needed to meet. And your tenure there may be short. And then you have, you know, places where you're there more of a season and recognizing that like, okay, my season has passed. Uh, I mean, I don't see lifetime in the workforce as much anymore uh, as it was like in our, our grandparents' years. But um, that is, you know, that is a, a really difficult thing to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's an important an important idea to to push on a little bit um, because there are invaluable things that we each learn from every role that we're a part of. Whether you are there for for three or six months or or six years, there are invaluable things that that we learn from from every role that we that we engage with. And, and um, you know, job hoppers get this really bad rap for being, for being disloyal. They don't stick around any place for long enough. Um, but we should instead be thinking about the wealth of knowledge that people have when they have a bunch of different experiences. You know, one of the things that really scares me when I look at somebody's resume is they've only been at one place for the last 15 years. They are not going to know how to scale and be a part of a different environment. It's going to be a real culture shock for them to move on to any new place, you know, where, where you see people who have been been in a role for, for two years, two years, two years sort of sort of thing. You know, I look at that and think, wow, they, they have they have seen a whole bunch of different experiences and they have a wealth of, of wisdom they're going to bring to this role. Uh, it's a positive for, for me in some ways and, and not just a, a negative around loyalty. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you there because when someone, like when I see someone with shorter tenures, and I don't mean, you know, three months here, three months there, totally, yeah. but to me, that tells me they're mastering that role fast enough that they're ready to move up, move over, move on. Um, and that I do see that as a positive. And it also means that they are bringing diversity of thought. Um, in terms of different company structures, different industries, you know, all these different things that are extremely valuable um, when you come in. And, and for anybody listening, if you haven't listened to episode eight, I talked to Maya Hurst and we talked a lot about the role of the CMO and how you grow the people on your team. Um, and that, you know, that aligns very much as well. Like, how do you give them what they need so that they can move up or move out or move over? And, and she definitely talked about how sometimes, you know, talking to an employee about how they needed to leave the company and no longer work for her can be tough, but valuable. Um, but I do want to shift gears a little bit. And I want to talk about your progression, um, because I know you were in CMO roles. You did the fractional CMO thing for a while moving into product marketing and now product engineering and interim, you know, CTO, like that is, you know, from CMO to CTO, that's not a combination that we see often. 
uh, or almost ever. Um, so, you know, clearly you like shifting industries or not industries, but still shifting functions is a, a big deal. And I know something that you have not taken lightly. Help us to understand like how that came to be was, you know, was it a methodical plan moving forward? Did things kind of just happen? Yeah. Um, so I, I have been on a career trajectory in, in my own career path uh, to, um, to start, start a company at some point in my life. And so that has, been, that has been one of the things that I've had as my kind of longer term goals. And, you know, to be, to be perfectly honest, I've always thought that that career path went through revenue. So becoming the chief revenue officer as the like person who runs sales and marketing together. And then and then after uh, demonstrating well that I can carry a bag uh, and make sure that people on my team hit quota, then I would uh, progress to to a place in which I could could become a CEO. So um, if, if I kind of like uh, rewind a bit to, to right before the pandemic happened, we were, we we're having a lot of conversations about, you know, what, what the potential, potential impact of this virus in China would have on global, global supply chains. I was in fashion technology at that point. So, you know, everybody else in the U.S. was like, huh, what's a virus? And I was like, what's going to happen to the world? <laughs> like our whole executive team was having like really in-depth conversations about what, what the impacts of this would be two, three months before most people in the U.S. even knew that there was a thing going on. Right. Um, and so, um, I uh, I transitioned away from that particular business and and in turn decided to become a fractional uh, CMO and so so I want to like pick up the story story from there you know I think I think one of the great things about um, about being fractional with businesses is is this idea of being intentional in your unconscious or in your conscious uncoupling so so you know one of the things that I love about being fractional is saying, hey, I'm going to work uh, on a particular project with you for three months. And then after three months, we're going to pause. And then we're going to see if there's a new opportunity for us to work together. And this has created just a really great dynamic between me and my clients uh, because, you know, we're really strategic about what we're going to go accomplish during a particular time period. There are measurable goals and in, in, in products that, that we expect from the engagement. And then we stop. Right. And so as opposed to a lot of a, a lot of CMO roles where you sort of like you hit this plateau and everybody knows there's a plateau, you, you know, it's a plateau. The CEO knows it's a plateau. And then you're awkwardly sort of like looking at each other at the dance, like who's going to be the one to be the first person to to go make this happen and, and, and transition along. Um, now, now uh, you have forced time based uh, considerations in order to make sure that that you're being prompted to to um, to move along when it when it is when it's appropriate or when it when it's the right time, right? Um, you know, one of one of the one of the service offerings that I have in in my fractional capabilities or capacity um, is I do CEO advisory, where I work with CEOs in particular about how to talk to and work with their marketers to help their marketers work better for them. 
right? And so one of the things that, that really strikes me um, is that CEOs and marketers don't speak the same language. <laughs> they don't often <laughs> they don't they don't often have the same the same understanding about a problem set or or considerations of like what actions can be done in order to, in order to do things. Um, and 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 quite frankly, there are a few people in in business who need to and can understand the complexity of marketing. Like marketing is one of the most complex functions in a business um, because of the, you know, just explosion of technology we've had over the last 15, 20 years. And, and, and more than just technology being a driver of complexity, it is, um, it is, uh, we can do anything with our marketing. It, it is yeah. the art side of things. And because you can literally take a sheet of paper and turn it into something, we can do anything, but it also means that our roles are infinitely complex. Um, and and that level of complexity doesn't sit with, with other people on the team, especially CEOs. They don't understand why we're making everything so difficult, right? And so... so <laughs> Basically, um, and so so one of the things that um, that that I really love for my for my role doing CEO advisory is I get to talk to these CEOs about you know what what are you expecting from your marketer? How do you speak to them in a way that helps them understand this thing that you're trying to say to them? Uh, how do you make sure that? goals are measurable, that you can determine whether or not uh, they are actually instantiating the thing that you're giving them as feedback. And then when do you know when it's time to move on? How do you get them to the next level or get them out of your business, right? And so um, just helping them kind of navigate through through the complexities of having, having senior marketing leaders and making sure that they can partner effectively with them in a way that um, helps their, their marketers create great value for their business um, and, you know, makes everybody happy in the process, et cetera. No, that does, that, that makes perfect sense. So we went to fractional CMO and what was that connection into product engineering? Like that's yeah. the dot. Like we got all the dots. Those are the two that I want to connect. Um, so, so I'm really fortunate. I I'm pairing with uh, a great CEO, MH Lines. She um, created this company called Stack Moxie, which fits really squarely within my experiences of marketing and revenue technologies, right? And so, so what Stack Moxie does, and not not that this is a pitch for for the company or anything, but you know, we're we're looking at this this panoply or all of these technologies and how they're all individually doing their own things and making sure that all of the dots are getting tied between all of these technologies such that they are making the business outcomes that we were trying to have happen happen in the way that, that we expect them right you know one of one of the challenges a lot of my a lot of my clients have is that you know system one let's call it salesforce and system two let's call it marketo and system three let's call it outreach all have their own workflow they're all doing their own things and they're all happening at the same time and nobody knows like which system is doing the one thing because we have one admin for for marketo one admin for salesforce a different admin for outreach and they don't realize that all of their workflows are smashing up against each other um causing problems and they don't know what to do to fix it so um the the moral of the story is you know i was it was it was, it was almost a year ago i was uh, the cmo of stack Monty. i was working um, with my team of three marketers and, 
you know, at the end of the day, I was like proofreading blog posts. And I was like, this is not like the, the greatest value that I can be delivering to the business. You know, I'm sure that that posts on LinkedIn are very important, but whether we see they or there or whatever, like small <laughs> changes I was actually making, this was not the thing that was going to materially impact the trajectory of the business. And so, so I went to, I went to MH and was like, you know, hey, either I can I can stay here, I can continue to help you in in this marketing world, or I can take all of the years of experience that I have in in technology, and I can bring that to bear in the product side of things. And so, you know, I I in kind of late August, early September of last year, I transitioned to to um, leading product, um, and that was that was a really great and fun experience. I you know I still I still lead product to this day, uh, but you know. I'm thinking about like, what are the business needs that my, my clients have? What is the market? It is, it's, it's all things from, from product marketing, from the things that CMOs care about. There are all of the things that, that we all, um, that we are all living and breathing every single day in our marketing roles. Now, instead of do, using those same concepts in order to sell a product, I was using those same concepts in order to make a product. Right. And so so instead, I moved into um, into this product role. I was helping shape the, the roadmap. How I took over engineering was just sort of <laughs> happenstance. <laughs> that that one was not planned. <laughs> you know, I um, I saw the writing on the wall. In the same way that this this whole conversation about consciously uncoupling, uh, I saw the the engineering leader determining whether or not he wanted to consciously uncouple with with the business. And and I was I was watching that process roll out. I was I was already thinking in the back of my head, oh gosh, what's going to happen? Am I going to take over this team? How's this going to work? Etc. And so when I got the phone call uh, that the engineering leader had put in his notice, I just went, "Yep, okay." Like let's let's go. It's a new challenge, etc. Um, most of the people in my family are software engineers, so I reached out to my brother, my nephews, and we're like, "What are the like tips and tricks that you have for me uh, for for leading an engineering organization, etc." And man, what a fun ride it has been! Like you know. Engineers and salespeople are about the like polar opposites in an organization <laughs> that you can have. I, I went from I went from uh, salespeople who uh, never stop talking about anything they can possibly be talking about to engineers who don't want to talk about anything unless they have something very specific to ask about. <laughs> just you know, just getting them on the Monday Monday conversation. Or money calls to be like, hey, one thing from your weekend. What did you do? What's something fun that happened in your personal life so we know anything about each other? Has been an interesting challenge uh, from uh, moving from the people in sales who who are, um, yeah. So, anyways, moral of the story is um, it's it's been a fun uh, fun thing to uh, again consciously uncouple from marketing. Um, I don't know that it's a permanent thing. Uh, I could I could uh, definitely see having another role in marketing, but if I'm on a career trajectory to, to start my own company at some point, you know, maybe this is just the right step in that path that, that I needed to, to needed to take. Okay. So that, that does make sense. And you gave me a, a number of thoughts and I really, it sounds like you recognize not only when you need to consciously uncouple, but you also see it when other people are going through it, even though they may not recognize it. And 
um, I find that, you know, it's like, that's kind of a superpower. I don't know what you could do with that, but uh, understanding that if there are people listening that are kind of having that aha moment where, you know, it's not like they're in a toxic environment and there's the pressure, like I got to go now, but that they're starting to feel like my season may be up or I may have accomplished the reason that I was here. Any thoughts on how you really start to recognize when you're in that place? Yeah. Um, so it's funny you mentioned superpowers because I do consider it my my superpower to be empathetic. So so understanding people's emotions, perhaps even before they do, is is something um, something that I've always sort of considered my my superpower. It's also great for marketing, uh, being able to uh, invoke and utilize emotions in in, in content and copy, being able to uh, be able to play with people's emotion sounds a little brutal, but, uh, you know, marketing is, is, is influence, right? We're, we're influencing people through the things that, through the things that we do. Right. Um, so, so if I think about sort of CMO exit strategies, you know, what's, what's really important is, uh, is getting disentangled without damaging your reputation along the way. Right. Um, and so, you know, how do you recognize it? Uh, you feel burnt out. Uh, you're not super happy when you wake up on a Monday morning, you're not jazzed and energized to, to get up and go to work. Maybe a Tuesday morning, maybe Monday's a little unfair and we all feel that way but, <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> but, you know, when, when, when it's a Tuesday or a Thursday morning and, and you are not uh, excited about the challenges that you have to go out to, to solve, then maybe this is, this is a time that you should start thinking about whether or not it's, it's your, your right role. Um, you know, one of, one of my one of my friends just recently left um, a large public company. He um, he had gotten so far away from the things that gave him joy out of his role that you know after after four or five years with them, he felt like he he was a bit soulless in his in his job, right? And so he came to me and was like, you know, how do I know when it's the right time to to move on? How do how do I do that, uh, et cetera? And so I had a couple of thoughts for for him about how do you how do you disentangle yourself as a CMO uh, before like without kind of you know burning bridges along the way. So. Um, Three do's and three don'ts. Uh, three do's. Uh, frame, frame your exit as your personal career aspirations. Uh, you know, when, when you're talking about my career trajectory goes through these places, it's less about that, that company and more about where you are going. Uh, talk about the market opportunity that you see within a different category. Uh, or finally, talk about the company mission, mission and how those values align to, to your own values, right? And so those are three positive things that, that you, can, you can talk about when you are uh, disentangling yourself from business. On the flip side of things, you know, uh, quite often you'll have to do exit interviews with, with the CEO, the HR, and and the board, like, you know, your lead VC will want to know, like, what, why are you choosing to, to leave a particular CMO role? <clears throat> so don't th say things like, I didn't like the CEO. <laughs> that, that is one. <laughs> you just don't say to, to anybody involved. Two, don't blame it on the product. Um, 
that I think that's a really weak uh, position to to just say, oh, well, the product doesn't work, blah, 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 the market's not ready. Um, while those might be true things, talk about the market opportunity for the new place rather than than um, um, saying bad things about the current opportunity for the, the company. Um, and then finally, uh, don't, don't focus on the company culture as being the primary driver of why you want to move on, right? And so so if you frame things as, as company mission or, or the market opportunity, um, I think people, people understand a lot more why, you, why you're making the choices that you make. And I think they're a lot more forgiving about those choices. Um, because at the end of the day, you have to remember every single person you've ever worked for or with is a backdoor reference for you for any future employers. Yeah. Um, the last company that I, I went to, they, they called 11 people to do reference checks on me, which, you know, probably should have been like, hey, this isn't the right person. If it takes you 11 calls to determine <laughs> if this is the person you want to partner with, it's probably not the right person. You should you should have just like not, not engaged in the first place. Um, but um, they will always call and they will call many, many jobs back. So make sure that you are always staying in good graces with every person that you work with um, because burnt bridges burn you in the end. Yes. And I mean, I think the, the summary of that is be a good human. Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, sure. like the, the don'ts that you shared are just, they're not difficult things. Like don't throw people under the bus, yeah. you know, like, be kind, <laughs> you know, be kind when you're honest is one of our communication tenants. It's just, it's one of those not that difficult. Um, yeah. In, 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 in current, in, in, in our current um, American ethos, they appear to be more difficult concepts uh, to some people, just the idea of kindness. So I like to reinforce for people <laughs> that it is an important thing to just remain kind uh, to the people around you. <laughs> Um, and so talking about our challenges is first step. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And, um, you know, in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client the homework. But here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head. Um, and I think you gave a good summary of the takeaways. But I'd still like to ask you for the one thing. I always like to give our listeners the one thing that they can do today um, to, you know, make a change. And so if someone is considerous, considering conscious uncoupling, unsure if they've reached that place, you know, what's kind of that one next step for our listeners? Um, if you're not having radically, uh, uh, having radical candor in your conversations with the other executives that you partner with, first and foremost, like that, that is the thing, like have uh, tough, crucial conversations with your CEO, with the people that, you know, maybe it's your head of sales that you're not quite, uh, jiving with in the way that you would expect, have those critical conversations, um, in order to determine like, Hey, is there something that we're going to work through um, or not. Um, sorry, I know you asked for one, but like, you know, maybe an executive coach is somebody that you two need to partner with to have that business therapy session in order to, to make sure uh, that this is or is not a good fit. And then, and then finally, you know, just trust your gut, no one to call it, no one to move on. You know inside your inside your heart that this is uh, this is now um, this is now the time for 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 you to transition. Um, 
don't burn bridges, uh, stay in good graces with your board. But man, when it's time to go, it's time to go. So do it. Awesome. <laughs> so I would say to kind of distill that down into the one thing, the one what thing. I'm hearing is your first thing is really to kind of take stock of yourself in understanding what you're feeling so that you can figure out what those tough conversations are and who you may need to, you know, be talking to. Um, does that sound fair as a one quick takeaway that everyone can do? Yeah. Quick takeaway is trust your gut. There we go. Trust your gut. Uh, I love that. Um, and Adam, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. So Aww. thank you so much for joining me. Um, this is one of those topics that directly applies to career, but there's some good relationship advice in there too. So if people are, you know, trying to multitask with this episode, you know, we kind of hit the nail on the head there. Uh, 15 years, <laughs> just saying. Yes, which and is gonna make work. <laughs> uh, especially in this day and age, but whole different topic for a different day. Um, thanks everyone for joining us today. I hope that you have enjoyed our conversation with Adam. Can't believe we are already at the end. Uh, we will see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at revenuerehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.